You're listening to the podcast for grain merchandisers by grain merchandisers. Join us in our good humored attempt to serve as a voice of reason in an industry fraught with misconceptions and half truths. And now, from deep in America's heartland, this is the Elevator's Cut. Hello, and welcome back to another spectacular edition of Elevator's Cut. I'm one of your hosts, Roger Gaddis. And I'm one of your other hosts, Jason Wheeler. And I'm just, I'm glad to be here, Roger. I'm glad to have my mask on and feel sanitized and safe. I feel, yeah. are you safe, Roger? The, the mask is a built-in windscreen. Yes. It's great. Have you, have you, are you in your safe place here? I am. I'm six plus feet away from you. I feel pretty good about things in general. It's good. So what do we got? What's, what's our... What's our program about today, Roger? Let's talk about everyone's favorite topic. And by everyone, I mean everyone that I know and that you know and everyone around us. That's planning. Everybody loves to plan. That's not true at all, but it should be a thing you should want to do for your business. And we want to talk a little bit today about specifically planning at the elevator we find ourselves here in the summertime, and um, if you don't handle wheat, you're doing nothing but twiddling your thumbs right now because harvest hasn't started yet, or you're pricing out DP grain and people are mad at you. Whatever it is, you need to be planning. Think of all the things you don't want to be happening to you right now. You should plan to not have that happen next year. This is why we plan right now. Am I right? Here's a, a nice turn of phrase that probably no one has heard before, Roger. If you fail to plan, you plan to fail, right? That's a good one. I just, I think I just thought of that myself. Sounds pretty original to my ears. <laughs> the, the act of planning is more important than the plan itself. And I just come up with that one. Wow. That's pretty solid. Um, anyways, specifically though today, we, we talk a lot about obviously what people should do, right? I mean, that's, that's Roger Nice thing. You, you say, Hey, you should do things this way because we're smarter. We're brokers. We, fi- we figured we it out, <laughs> but we haven't. That's okay. But we do. We do talk about uh, a lot about uh, you know on the origination side and and plans farmers should put together and how they should be methodical about about doing things. It we are not immune to it as as merchandisers in the elevator side, and that is what we want to drill down on today is planning as an elevator for. For an upcoming crop, and, and this year more than any uh, is, I shouldn't say more than any, but but it's it's a, another year with the different unique challenges that that will uh, that that we're looking at. So we wanted to talk about those specifically and how we plan for it. And some challenges are more unique, and some are less unique, <laughs> but they're all challenges. We can agree on that <laughs> for sure. To some degree of uniqueness, it's a it's a spectrum. I'm told. So Jason, think about all of the grain folks that you've met over time and the businesses that you've encountered in your many, many, many years being a professional. What's some examples, without naming names, of some of the worst planning that you've witnessed? Well, I'd say I'd say there's a categories of of people, right? And and the ones that that don't do much planning ahead and just kind of go with the flow of, of harvest and see what happens. Even though, 
they know what's coming for months ahead. They 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 drive to the office every day and talk about how great the corn looks, and then talk to every farmer about how many tents and hundreds they got at their place all summer long and how this is going to be that and and then they they're bringing their cobs into the office and they're they're counting them and they know what's coming at them right i i remember that band from the 90s counting cobs they were they had some hits <laughs> but they know what's coming at them and they just completely and then we get to harvest and it's like Oh, we should have done. We should have done something ahead of time to plan for this. Can you believe all this grain? <laughs> Anyways, um, now I mean that may be a bit extreme, but but there is there there is a, a bit of a frustration with me as, as you get in the heat of it, and and you know once you get there, it's you know planning time's over. It's action time and it's decision time, and and there's there's lots of that happening. But guys are flying by the seat of their pants. And what happens is they say, oh, we're out of space. We're going to go to DP only. And then we get into these policy things that just snowball. And you don't realize a lot of guys, it's not, it's not that they're dumb or ignorant. They're just trying to react. They're not, they didn't, they weren't proactive and they're just reacting to what's coming at them. And, and that's where you do, you see. So, and you're at harvest and you're trying to be competitive, but basis is moving around everywhere and you're not keeping up with it because you're trying to keep, uh, the line moving and all that stuff, and people are dropping their bid, and you forgot to drop yours, and also people are raising. Years. This is a nightmare scenario. People are raising their rates. You're you you're not yet, and it, it's just it it gets bad. Is, is that you asked? What's the worst cases? And this is what I've seen, Roger. So, um, but what happens is you get through it. You've worked your tail off. Everybody that works at your place has worked their butts off, and and you come out of it. And at the end of the year, you're like, dang, we didn't make any money this year. How how did we do that? We had huge crop and and everything. I guess it's just too competitive here. It's just gotten real competitive, right? Too competitive. It's if there's anything that destroys profitability, it's, it's competition <laughs> or lack of planning or both. Yeah, but really, it's it's stuff that that can be um, headed off at the pass if. If you're a, a little bit more proactive than that, and I, and I, I understand most people are are not that way and and think things through. But you you asked me for my worst case scenario, so there. Sure, you. no, fair enough. And you know that worst case scenario, but that's not an imaginary scenario. That's seen that in my short time on this side of the bushel. I've seen that with businesses out there, and you just kind of scratch your head and think, and this is not a new employee running this place that just uh, came into this from a different industry and had no idea no this is this happened to him last year and the year before and a year before that and a year before that and um and some people you know have their hands tied by policies by ownership of the facility and what they can and can't do and they know they need to do different things but they can't um, get the decision makers to understand it and see it and so their hands are tied and you know they, they might have put a plan into place but they couldn't execute on it. So planning is one thing. Executing on it is a, is a fully another thing and probably more important thing. Um, and it's not just harvest. Harvest is a big part, you know, because that's that's crunch time. But it comes all aspects of, of, the, uh, of the trading calendar, um, of the basis curve, whatever. Pick, pick a metric, you know. There's planning that goes into spreads, planning that goes into logistics, planning that should go into cash flow, borrowing base report, thing like that with your lender. All these things. And like you said, Jason, the time to be thinking about it 
is not when you have to make the decision on it necessarily. It's kind of nice to run through things ahead of time. And, you know, it's not the funnest thing. When you would call me when I was still at the elevator, like, hey, I want to do this grain flow. I'd be like, no, leave me alone. I don't. But I did it because I knew I needed to and took a, you know, an hour out of my day to run through scenario. Okay, this is what I should take in, and this is when each month of the year, and this is how I need to plan for spreads and cash flow and logistics and all the things that I knew was going to have to happen. I just really didn't want to do it, you know. And we give farmers uh, uh, grief on here a lot about not planning or knowing to break even or stuff. But guess what, folks? Elevator people do the same thing sometimes. They don't think things through, and then when they get themselves in a bind whether it's with logistics or their banker or what have you, um, it's the same type of concept. We're a human thing. I was going to say one of the worst examples of planning is, uh, of course, allowing truck drivers to use your bathroom at the elevator. That's probably the worst case scenario. But, you know, there's a lot of things that go in right around that. One of the things that comes to my mind on the bad planning specifically is the financial side of things. And you know, the nightmare years of 08, maybe 2012, but for sure 08 come to mind. And um, a lot of assumptions uh, that spring headed into the summer uh, came to be uh, found to be grossly uh, overassumed <laughs> by the time summer was over. And w- with financing and the margin calls and not understanding futures balance and position management and things like that, or the lender understanding what they were getting into. And then after two weeks of making huge margin calls, just kind of wits end and can't your backs against the wall at that point. That is, I think in all seriousness, probably about the worst case of poor planning that you could do as a merchandiser is on the financial side. And then, you know, you do get into obviously the, the spread side of that managing the risk on the spread side is a, is another issue that that boils up and 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 you know honestly what happens is your spread needs uh people get in the habit of yeah you know i about use this much or carry this much or take in this much out of harvest and and sell this much this but if you don't really drill into the numbers at least every once in a while and see which ones you actually need and use i mean I got a ton of people because what happens is as the year goes on, you get to first notice days or close to roll day, I should say. And, and you, you just roll out of positions and eventually stuff gets to, gets to, you know, match up your buys and your sales match up and it washes out. But in the meantime, what happens is people do a lot of extra unnecessary spreads. And not only that is you're exposing yourself to a lot of spread risk that, you likely don't need to have in your operate. Well, you definitely don't need need to add spread risk to the to the operation, and, and it's done without even knowing it. So how how should we plan? Is is there a a right? There's not a right and wrong answer, a way to plan. Some people really like to drill into the numbers, and and uh, if you have somebody on staff that that is like that, I think it's very productive mm-hmm. to to get them involved so they can do the full the full deal. And and really drill into so not just logistics, but policies and margins and spreads and cash flow and all all the things of and and what it is is it's just going through best case and worst case scenarios and making sure you're going to be okay through all that or or have a plan for what to do if this happens 
this worst case or best case scenario happens, how we're going to respond. And uh, I think that's really important. But but again, if, if you don't have somebody on, if it's just you and you're not really a you know, micromanage down into all the numbers and over, over plan. Like I get it, but just a broad plan works. And there are people that are extremely successful and I would call them great planners Mm -hmm. that do not get super detailed on the numbers. That's, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying that you have to do that, but you know, I think Roger, would you, you said the process of planning is as valuable as the plan or what i've forgotten yeah okay i took a mini nap just but now that's i mean it happens and and so that is that that's a a big thing it's just just do it get out do it think through and this time of year it's good to do and and like i said this year is we're gonna have a bunch of corn coming into harvest uh in, in most places and we're gonna you know weather conditions have been pretty good in a lot of places not everywhere of course but that's that one county in iowa i hear i hear they're rough but a lot of other counties in iowa seem to be doing okay and so have a plan and um and this time of year is a good good time to be doing because we're gonna be up against it and and the big thing is policies which we talked about uh in a in another episode but but um when you get into it and i I really think the monster is DP personally and this year, every year where we have these sorts of, you know, big influxes and tons of, you know, more grain than we got space. People say, okay, DP is the thing that I can ship. Farmers don't want to sell. So I can just keep doing DP. I can go to DP. And when I say DP, DP deferred price, uh, some places it's called price later or NPE, no price established. Uh, but it allows you to to take legal title to the grain so you can ship it, but the farmer's waiting to price it. So for the farmer standpoint, it works similar to storage. And the merchant just doesn't go to jail. And the merchant can ship it without going to jail. So guys, guys rely on this stuff. And, and what happens is, I mean, in the details of it, uh, you see all your ownership just goes out the door. You don't. You don't have any ownership. Yeah. And that, that's the, really the tragedy of it is you come out of Harvard's with no ownership. And if you used it to make space, what you did was you sold the basis at the lowest time of the year, especially in a year where there's just too much grain everywhere. The basis was probably super low and you sold it. And now all you're collecting is fees. And maybe you did a minimum and maybe you think that's, a, well, you know, maybe my minimum's 22 cents till the first of the year. So I, I at least made 22 cents. Now you, not if you sold them the low of the basis curve, you sold, brother. You're about to lose that much, if not more, in carry spreads. Which, if it's a big year, we're going to have carry spreads that you're going to be eating, and until the farmer prices and the basis improvement, which should be substantial coming out of a crop with a lot of volume coming at you. So, what happens is those years, people think, well, I'm, I know I made okay all this DP bush. So I know I made at least twenty two cents plus whatever. So I don't, so those are good. No, you didn't. And so people get to the end of the year and they don't understand how they lost money. Be like, ah, you know, maybe we're not grading right. You know, to add to that tragedy is the fact that um, a lot of those DP bushels aren't going to be priced out at profitable prices at the end when it's all said and done. So your policy didn't benefit either party. 
not saying not having it would have benefited, but it definitely didn't help things. I mean, that's a, that's a possibility, you know. So, like you said, when when we're thinking about planning, these are things that you know anybody that's been through more than one harvest is thinking about anyway. You you maybe just keep it in your head all the time, but you know you're going to have trucks that you got to get around or trains or barges. However, you get the stuff out of your place, that's got to happen. You got to understand and deal with uh, quality concern, the quality control of the the condition of the grain coming in. You know, these things we do automatically. It's just I've seen the folks that actually put some time, some amount of time. It doesn't take a lot of time. You can come up with a plan this time of year, revisit it for five, ten minutes a month, a month. Tweak it as needed is based on what changes because things do change. And go forward. And then, you know, the the people I see that really take this to heart and do a great job, and I'm going to name drop on here because he does a fantastic job. It's our friend Rob Cogdell up in Iowa. He does a phenomenal job of, of planning. And, you know, and then after it's said and done, he goes back and plugs in the real numbers uh, for everything at, after that month's over. And then over time, you have a solid set of numbers. These aren't just ideal theoretical numbers. This is stuff that your business actually did, whether it's volume, uh, how much you moved each month, how much you bought, how much you sold, what basis levels were, all these things. You have a solid history of that. And guess what? Just like people, businesses are creatures of habit too. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do the same things. And while that's not a crystal ball for you going forward, it sure gives you a lot of certainty making decisions for the next year because look oh i always move three hundred thousand bushels of farm corn and jfm or whatever it is okay well when i see a good sell basis value any time of year ahead of that i should probably consider selling it because i always move this amount right you know so it just gives you confidence you know the more you know your own business the more confident you are and that should go without saying but uh it needs to be said that's absolutely true and and the big thing is what people find when they really do this, because you go into each year and it's different. Like this year, we're looking at, hey, we're going to have huge carryover, big crop. Nobody wants to sell anything because the prices are low, blah, 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 whatever the thing is. It's it's that type of year, right? We've had years like that, but this is the type of year it is. And so how's this going to play out and, and all this? And, and yes, it has ramifications of spreads and basis, starting points and all, all that definitely uh, changes in years like this. But the crazy thing, what Roger's saying there. If you do detailed looking back on how grain flows in and out of your facility, when it's priced, all that stuff, even though the the prices are different year to year and the basis and the, the logistics and everything, what what we find is shockingly the same. No matter what type of year it is, for the most part, your farmers sell about the same percentage at harvest. They move about the same amount of bushels throughout the year. And, you know, a, a short year versus a, a big year in a lot of places isn't that huge. Now, you get into the outlying areas where they'll grow 12 bushel corn in a drought year. Of course, you're going to have some. Have some but, but in the big corn belt areas, a, a, a bad year versus a good year, it, you, you'd, be, you'd be shocked when you dig into the numbers. And, uh, but, but people emotionally react like Roger saying, when you're planning ahead, you're like, Oh no, the the crop's not doing well. And, and we're going to be down big. I better not sell much. I better not do this. I better not do that. But what you find is, yeah, you know, it's Mr. White always says there's always a line of trucks at the elevator every fall. All right. At this time, we will take a quick commercial break as we 
pay some bills here at the Elevators Cut. And we have another sponsor for today. And that sponsor is the Adding Machine. Clickety-clack, I'll take a portion of that. The Adding Machine, more scrolls than the Old Testament. The Adding Machine, the original soundtrack to the Elevators Cut. The Adding Machine, Maths Typewriter. Bravo. <laughs> the Adding Machine, they'll never question your yard of paper. The Adding Machine, don't even act like I didn't give you that answer four hours ago. I got the documentation right here. Adding Machines, CVS receipts ain't got nothing on us. The Adding Machine, now with subtraction. The Adding Machine, pro tip, don't forget to have it round down. The Adding Machine, the redheaded stepchild of the dot matrix printer. The Adding Machine, this basis ain't gonna figure itself. The Adding Machine, soundtrack to my nightmares. <laughs> okay! Our back. Now, what are we going to talk about for the rest of this thing? This is more planning. <laughs> this guy, he knows how to do it. <laughs> this is a podcast <clears throat> machine out here. Despite the fact we really want to just plan shame people for the rest of the episode, we probably ought to like give some solutions, things that people could try. That'd maybe. Be good. So, you know, and it kind of... Sp- spans the range of things you know and encompasses everything you're gonna do um, this is like like most of our episodes you got to wait over 20 minutes before the payoff right i mean this is our secret uh, to still su- waiting on some of them <laughs> <laughs> this is our secret to success <clears throat> you know it it just seems it seems intuitive on a lot of on a lot of levels for a lot of things but um you know just take spreads spreads for example and you hear us on, on, on this program a lot mention pre-spreading. And I know that's not a industry-wide term. That may just be some internal we use. But, you know, the idea of pre-spreading is, is a planning thing. So if you know you're going to take in X amount of bushels at harvest and you know you're not going to sell them all at harvest, you're going to sell some in JFM and some in April, May and some in June, July, a spread is going to be involved at some point or another. You're going to have to get them from move from where you bought them to where you're going to sell them. It's going to happen. So you got two choices. You can be proactive and set them ahead of time, or you can wait till roll day and take whatever the market decides to give you. The broker's cut, if you will. Sure. We love all of the commissions. They're not necessary from the elevator standpoint, from the merchandiser standpoint. So pre-spreading is a form of, of, of planning. And, you know, as an example, when we work with, some of our customers, and, and we get into the topic of pre-spreading, we go into a grain flow, which is simply, just like I mentioned a while ago, it's just month by month from harvest the next 11 months, and you say, what what's the in and out of ownership, basis ownership each month? And then that goes into what spread needs you have to have, cash needs, all that stuff. But spread specifically, if you know you're going to need an X amount of March and they're at good levels now, why wait to set them? It's going to have to happen. You have three things you got to manage, buy basis, sell basis, spreads. If you can get one or two or three of those things knocked out ahead of time, that's, that's usually a pretty good thing. It's less to have to worry about. Your plan's been put into action ahead of time, and you're done. 
and and having the, that control over it feels pretty good from a management standpoint for your position. You're not thrown into something that you don't have any choice but to accept at the very end. So so having that, and just like we talk with our producers, very rarely would you encounter someone that encourages their growers to forward contract 100% of their anticipated production ahead of harvest. How about 75%? How about 50%? Whatever percent you're comfortable with, take that when you do your spreads. Set 50% of your spread needs ahead of time if they're at good levels. 75, whatever you're comfortable with. There's no wrong or right way to do it. Uh, but I think industry-wide, people do not plan for spreads. Correct. They know they're going to have to move the stuff, but they're reactive on the spreads. And sometimes it works out. Sometimes you pick up a penny or two more on roll day than you would have ahead of time. But there's those years where it definitely doesn't work out. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, 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 just a, it's just a habit. It's a process, a routine that you do to uh, ensure your ability. You know, risk management, I guess you could say with it, but I view it more as you're ensuring your ability to carry out your merchandising plan. If your plan is to carry grain out of harvest, you need spreads. You need good ones. If you're a feed mill and you have to carry stuff out mm-hmm. to feed animals, you really need spreads. You really need those carries. If not, it makes your job um, turn into margin a lot more difficult. Yeah, and it's really it's it's insurance for those years where it it is you know one of one or two out of ten years where really we run into a shortage. We do see flat or inverted markets, and you. As a merchandiser at that point, you can't really carry into the future. So logistically, you get ate up with challenges to try to move it faster than you can. And and a lot of times you can't move it in time. And so you do eat some of these inverses and and so on. And so it's a it's a it's a defensive move. Right. And it's like it's insurance to be able to carry the grain because there are a lot of facilities that they just have to, you know, we move. 20 million bushels a year or something like that. Well, you can't just say, oh, market's not a carry this year, so we'll move it all before the end of February. You can't do it. Like, you, you got to move grain all year. Yeah. So uh, so having some carry set will allow you to, you know, function and be profitable and not get to the end of the year and be like, what the heck happened, you know? And I think a lot of, a lot of folks will just say, well, it always works out just to roll and that's fine. But, you know, compare it to something else in your business, say like uh, a line of credit. You may not have to tap that full line of credit every year, but by golly, when you do need it, you're glad it's there. Mm-hmm. You're happy to have paid that maintenance cost to, to keep it in place, you know. So, again, it's, again, it's planning. It's, it's, it's just part of the deal. You know, that's what comes to my mind. Another interesting part going through the planning process when it comes to spreads is what spreads you think you need may not actually be the ones you need. Uh, and I know that sounds weird to say, because people, they'll think in big picture, which is awesome. It's not it's not a thing I'm railing against by any means, but it's like, hey, I come out of harvest and I own this many bushels, so I need to spread it. And I know I ship most of them JFM maybe, and I try to get get a lot moved uh, during that during that slot. So I need to need to move move this portion of JFM and maybe, or so a desmarch for this much and, and these, cause in the summertime I do that. And so you just think big picture in your head and that's, that's cool. And, and you got a plan and, and, and I'm, you know, you, you do that. But the problem is the other stuff you don't think about is how much you buy in out of storage in March. 
and maybe I don't, you know, yes, or I off ship, farm or wherever, or off farm, and and all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, you know, when you actually put pen to paper and think it through and run it through your adding machine or whatever you're doing, and you you go back, you pick up three feet uh, earlier on the scroll uh, of the adding machine, and you go look at it, and you say, well, I'll I'll be. Uh, apparently, I don't. I don't need that. Well, we've we've saw, we've seen that. So people who have that that we've kind of just said, hey, you know, try this. I know you have a plan, and and, and you're successful, and I, and but you have your way of doing it. But maybe this year, uh, l- let's drill into the numbers a little bit. And, and we do. And what we find is, I'll be dang. You know, I always said a million de March, but apparently, I only need two hundred. And Happy most, broker. Most of it goes to, you know, all this, all this other stuff. But you, you don't, you can go through a year like that and you'll never do it because you just get to roll day and you'll roll it to the next month and it eventually wipes out. And I, I said this earlier, but, but it, it's, uh, it's really, it's really a good exercise to be efficient with your spreads. Mm-hmm. Cause what you, you know, like Roger was saying earlier, right? We would never recommend somebody set a hundred percent of their, of their pre-spread needs. Well, you know, there are people just doing it guessing and setting 500% of their pre-spread needs and they don't even know it, you know? So, um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a risk. It's a piece of the, of the merchandising stool. You got your buy basis, sell basis and spreads and spreads, even though obviously constitutes a good portion of your margin is a lot of times an afterthought. And mm-hmm. and I'm not saying it should be most or, or even 33% of your merchandising function. I'm not saying that, but it's something to look at yeah. occasionally. Come back to every couple weeks before uh, before harvest as you get it. Just just think about the position. It takes five, 10 minutes, right. you know, once a week or something. Just look at your position and make sure it's where it needs to be. It's a technique of refinement. And, you know, the, the people that are the best in the business, this is one of the things they do. I mean, that, that's it. Um, one of the things that comes to mind specifically in planning is, is is misconceptions of certain things in merchandising. And what comes to my mind is being short the basis. Um, so short the basis is just having more basis bushels sold than you have bought for a given slot. And you mentioned that to some folks, uh, maybe a majority of folks, and they think, well, I can't sell anything I don't have bought yet. One thing. And then they think, well, how risky is it? I don't know if I'll have anything when I get it bought or can I get it bought then? And I think what happens a lot of times is short the basis is specifically tied to or associated with uh, DP, DP bushels. Uh, when in fact, if you know that you have to turn and burn some beans in, o- in November at harvest because you're not going to have space for all of them and you don't have anything forward contracted, but the sell basis is really good out there, hint this is happening today, you can go short the basis for harvest, sell those bushels, knowing you're going to get them bought in at harvest. You know, as long as your crop doesn't burn up a hundred percent, you're going to have bushels shipped there. So being short the basis for certain slots makes a whole lot of sense, if for nothing else, logistically. Because if you get all those beans come in and you're already full of corn, guess what? You're going to be turning and burning those things anyway. And, you know, you're going to be lucky if you've got someone that can take what you need. And two, if the basis isn't complete trash by then. Mm-hmm. So getting stuff sold, and this applies to any grain, but, you know, being short the basis for certain slots, mainly slots when there's a high demand of space, like harvest, makes a lot of sense because unless this year is just a complete outlier, you're going to take grain in at harvest. And you're going to move stuff because you're going to need to to keep your doors open to service your customers. So, you know, th- that, that's one of the things 
um, that I think a lot of people will find themselves at uh, that could be headed off by a little bit of planning and a little bit of understanding of, of mechanics. Because again, they know the flow, they know what's going to happen, yep. but this is just taking that extra step and, and making what's going to happen, having a little more control over it. That's huge. Yeah. Managing that harvest pressure. Cause a lot of times like we'll have folks do their basis charts and their history and they'll plot their own sales on it, you know, and, and there's always one that looks terrible. You're like, golly, what, what's, what happened there? I was out of space. I should have puke it, you know? And, and y'all, so, so the more you can get away from having to do that, the better. The other thing I, I find interesting that people uh, discover when they really drill down into, into how they move stuff throughout the year is <clears throat> the volume they move uh, for each month, let's say. So a lot of people, they'll say, you know, I normally, how big a sale do I make? All right, this is a good number for JFM or for AMJ or whatever it is. This is a good sale. It's a good number. I want to sell it, but how much do I normally sell? Well, you know, like you know, hundred a month, maybe that's good. And, and say, all right, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. But if you, if you go down and you look at the numbers, just, just using their history, how much they, they actually ship during that period. A lot of times they don't realize because they make so many sales, Mm -hmm. right? You don't just make one big sale for April and then that's all. So they, they make, and, and sure enough, they every year have sold at least 450,000 bushels a month or something for AMJ or whatever it is. And so what that does is it gives you confidence when the good number comes, you think you're selling a good number, a good amount because, oh, that's a number. Mm-hmm. I'm going to jump all over that. And I, you know, a big sale for me is a hundred thousand a month. So I'm going to, I'm going to get on that. Well, I can look at my history now and I know I sell about 400 a month during those slots. So I'm going to, you know, sell more. Mm-hmm. So that, that's good. Cause one of the biggest regrets of merchandising is a good sale. I didn't sell enough. I wish oh, I had sold yeah, more. All the time. Right. And so that helps give you the confidence to go ahead and sell more when the good number comes. So yeah. that, that another benefit. Yeah. Sellers regret. Didn't sell enough. Hear that a whole lot more than I sold too much. One other thing I think comes about at, as far as a, a good planning, the positive side of, of planning is when you can look at it objectively, we, we talked at the beginning, all right, we know this big crop may be coming at us in, in our area, if that's if that's what the, the deal is. We know there's a bunch still on the farm. And we know, So we we know what's uh, what's out there, what's coming to us, and what sort of situation. Now, what are we going to do about the, the big thing? And I, I painted the worst case scenario at the beginning, I know. And um, But how do you manage that? And getting out ahead, and, and the big thing is, is – Policies, which we've discussed uh, ad, ad nauseum in this and other podcasts, but the other thing is internal limits and how you're going to mm. do things. I think is is a good. You know, I ride this horse. I don't think anybody listens <laughs> to me. Like uh, um, Paul, you got one little listener it, down here, old buddy. I'm like Paul Revere. If if uh, if no one listened to him, dead. Oh, okay. But uh, anyways, I don't know. That was weird, but. <laughs> I just watched I just watched Hamilton on Disney Plus. So I'm in a revolutionary state of mind. Woke. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, we can cut all that. That's good. But so so internal limits. How much am I going to allow of my space to be used for storage, and when do I cut that off? Right, because everybody gets to a point. Either you're forced into, or you decide where. Uh, where you're going to either go to DP only or basis only or or cash price only and and all that stuff. So think through those. 
what makes sense, and what doesn't allow the value of your space to be sucked away at harvest in a big year. Like that scenario I painted, I mean, it it happens to maybe lesser extents at, at places, but some places it happens to that extent. Uh, but likely most places at some lesser extent. But how do you manage it ahead and say, you know what? No, I'm I'm only going to allow this percent of my space to go into storage. And I'm only going to allow this percent of my space to go to DP and so on. Because I know that every bushel that goes to that, I, I do lose value. I lose opportunity. And I understand, you know, it's part of the business uh, somewhat maybe in my area, competitive, mm-hmm. blah, 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 or my ownership or board says I have to. Like I get all that, but here's where we need to draw the line and say from here on out, you either set basis or you're cash only and and things like that. So what allows me to still get value out of my space? Mm-hmm. Yeah, just because you allow a certain thing to happen doesn't mean you have to allow it to your detriment. Well, you know, this is a pretty broad topic and we've picked a few pieces out here and, and, and you could go into a lot of things like always being prepared with a bid for any month, for any year you're in business, you know, being able to buy when someone wants to sell you grain and knowing the value and the when the, the buyer, the end user calls you up and asks you got anything to offer and, you know, all these things. This is all part of the planning process and knowing your number and, and knowing what things are worth. And uh, we could spend a lot of time on this, but I think we're out of time today. And uh, But we'll pick back up on this because this is a topic worth revisiting. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll uh, be able to get uh, uh, wrangle in someone for an interview that's uh, sitting in that seat still and doing this stuff and they can – uh, add some things that we've completely forgotten about because we're we're definitely uh, not the experts on this, but we we know people that are, and that's uh, what we share. So um, I think with that, we're going to wrap it up today. Yes, indeed. So appreciate everyone listening again, and like, subscribe, all that jazz, and uh, keep keep telling us, uh, telling your friends about us, and then also reach out to us at Elevators Cut on Twitter. Feel free to reach out to us, uh, tweet at us, direct message us, uh, all that, all that stuff, and and we will, we'll definitely interact. We love it. Show us your best mask pick, and we will announce winners on a future episode. That's right. We'll have Randy at home on the sewing machine making you an elevator's cut mask before you know it. <laughs> Limited edition, probably to zero. <laughs> All right. But anyways, appreciate it as always. uh, And come back for more in the future. And we'll try to entertain you. (laughs) Keep from disappointing you again. We'll do better next time. Okay. So for Roger, I'm Jason. For Jason, I'm Roger. Thanks for listening to The Elevator's Cut. Out. Out.